0: Welcome. My name is Genevieve Spicer, host of CODE's podcast series. I'm coming to you this morning from our studios in Canada's capital, Ottawa, Ontario, on the traditional unceded territory of the Algonquin Anishinaabe people. This morning, it's my great pleasure to be joined now by our CODE team member in Mozambique, Stephanie Van Vogel. Stephanie works alongside CODE's longtime partner in education there, Associación Progresso. Stephanie, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thanks so much for inviting me to the show. It's really a great pleasure to be here. Well, we're just delighted. And
0: to start things off, can you tell us where you're speaking to us from right now? We're in Mozambique.
1: Oh, absolutely. So I'm actually currently working from home office. I think many of us are currently working at home as well. But I live in Maputo, which is the capital of Mozambique. So it has a population of about a million people in Maputo the biggest city actually in Mozambique. It's in the southern part, so about an hour and a half to South Africa and about an hour and a half to Eswati, so former Swaziland.
0: Okay, thank you so much for setting that up for us. Now, Stephanie, I've been told we haven't had the pleasure to meet in person, but we have met online, but you've been referred to as a true citizen
1: of the world. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from and, and how you got involved with CODE? So I was born in Brazil. My mom actually is American and my dad is German. And I grew up trilingual. So one of the languages that I learned in Brazil was Portuguese. I grew up in a really beautiful island in Morro de São Paulo, so close to Salvador. And it had no electricity and no cars. It was really magical. And because my father had to move back to Germany, I went to Germany Did my BA in the U.S. International Studies and a master's in public policy. And development was always something that totally fascinated me. And I wanted to really pursue a career in that. I by chance got a scholarship to do my master's studies here in Mozambique. And my master's was in women empowerment. And after that, I really, really wanted to come back to Mozambique. So I did that. And before I started working with code, I worked for many different organizations, including the German Corporation, the World Bank, UNICEF. And now for the last four years, I'm at code. And I'm an education specialist from the last several years or since I've been in Mozambique, actually, I've been always working in education. And I really love the work that CODE does here in Mozambique and the improvements that they're doing for people's lives and also in learning and education.
0: What would you say, Stephanie, are the key challenges right now in the education sector in Mozambique?
1: I've been here for 10 years. And yes, I definitely know a lot about the challenges in Mozambique. And Mozambique, unfortunately, really has many It is one of the poorest countries in the world. The student to teacher ratio is 60 to one. In some regions, even in the north, it's like over 75 teachers per student. So imagine like having to be a teacher and teaching 75 students in your class. So it's
0: teachers, right? The teacher to student ratio is terrible, really. What are some of the other things that kids are struggling with, especially with early grade literacy?
1: Well, first of all there's the last national assessment that the government did. The reading competencies are from third grade students were 4.9%. This means in fact that 95% of third graders do not have the basic levels of reading comprehension. So it's a really terrible finding and even later study that was conducted in 2018 showed that fourth grade students could not identify father, respect, outside. So only 25% actually of the students could. And read a whole paragraph, 10%. So it's a lot of need here in terms of early grade literacy. So a lot of work to be done and a
0: lot of work is being done with you in their corner and the Better Project, which we're going to talk about But first, I'd like us to talk a little bit about the impact of COVID-19 on education in Mozambique. We know that everywhere in the world, the pandemic is having detrimental effects on children's learning. How is the pandemic affecting education in Mozambique, a country already struggling very hard to keep kids in school and where I believe less than 1% of the population has been vaccinated?
1: So in fact, schools closed in March of last year. So they were closed for an entire year. So 8.5 million students did not learn. And in our IFPs, which is teacher training colleges, IFPs is how the Mozambicans call the teacher training colleges. And they remained really closed from March of last year until August. Primary schools were closed the entire year and only opened on the 19th of March of this year. Of 2021. Yes, of 2021. So, in fact, MINED is the Ministry of Education. What they did was to actually have everybody promoted already to the next grade. So, in fact, literally, the kids did not have an entire year. So, with the kids now that are really out of school, we needed to create innovative ways of ensuring that they still could continue learning. So what we did, or we had already, in fact, developed a learning platform that the ministry, in fact, used to promote all of its COVID activities for kids out of school. So that was their main platform that they utilized nationwide. So that was, in fact, a really great success that we had developed that a couple of years before. And we continued to support ministry with that as well. Another thing that we also had to do is not everybody has access to internet. So we really had to find also low-tech ways to respond to the needs of the most vulnerable children. We had 35,000 learning kits. We developed them. We comprised them. We also did activity sheets. And we also provided supplies like stationaries, books, pencils, erasers, all kinds of different things.
0: And these are part of the learning kits that you distributed.
1: Exactly. These were learning kits that were provided. We actually organized different teachers to go around with megaphones and they had like little groups and pods of kids that they taught. Obviously, always making sure that they were socially distanced, but they were taught like those activity sheets that we provided to the different kids, these 35,000 learning kits that we provided included these activity sheets. And with those also, teachers went around to different communities and teaching through these megaphones. So you have to imagine like this teacher standing behind his megaphone and talking to an array of different kids that are all socially distanced and doing their activity sheet. It was really magical. And we got a lot of feedback as well for that.
0: That is something that I just find incredibly innovative. You know, you described it to some extent, the teachers with their megaphones, surrounded by students in the village. Would they, you know, start off as they would perhaps in a classroom, welcoming the students and saying, today we're going to learn this? How would it begin and how long would one of these megaphone classes last?
1: Yeah, no, they definitely would, you know, invite the students, first of all, to sit. It was always also combined with some sort of educational part on COVID as well, since it was kind of during the midst of the pandemic. They would definitely start off. So have the kids sit down, would also ensure all of these kids had then pens and pencils, and they would go together through these activity sheets. One by one. And like if there was any questions, you know, through socially distance, obviously they would be able to interact as well. But it was complicated as well because there was a lot of guidelines throughout COVID here and a lot of like fear as well that these megaphone teachers weren't also a vector of spreading the disease further. There was a lot that needed to be also taken care. Unfortunately, it's not as romantic in terms of like, you know, teacher besides a student doing together activity sheets and all of that. But I feel like, I mean, it was definitely a full success. And like through that, actually, kids were able to continue to learn. And
0: you also developed many other tools as well to help them continue learning.
1: Yes, we actually did. So one of the things that we actually developed was early grade literacy programs, but focused on broadcast. So I think we have actually a clip here for you that we can maybe play shortly.
0: Yes, we do. Perhaps you could introduce it to us a little bit. Give us a bit of context before we roll it.
1: Okay, absolutely. So it's a program so to support Portuguese literacy for children between six and eight. And it happened during the time, obviously, that kids weren't going to school. So these programs were actually broadcasted about three days a week for about 30 minutes. And they have different themes. They talk about family, friends, COVID, community, hygiene, important topics. And the program also has a lot of music. It's very interactive. Even kids call in and ask questions. There is a book that's always read as well. Well, why don't we give it a listen?
0: Estarás sempre na companhia de mim, Isidora Fernando
1: e Stella Mário na apresentação. Para a nossa primeira edição, preparamos muita coisa boa. That's
0: just great. Yeah, lovely. And this would have been broadcast on radio, right? Low tech. And, you know, I can't help but think this might have reached more than just the students for whom it was intended. Siblings, parents who perhaps never got a chance to get an education themselves.
1: It was really like for the entire family. And it also, as you were saying, since it was broadcast via radio, it didn't only go to our target communities, but anybody who was listening to radio. So that's really, you know, amazing. And one of the things as well, every episode has like a book that they're reading as well. So to kind of Reiterate also one of the messages is, you know, you still should try to continue learning, even if you're at home. So reinforcing that and also asking the supportive parents for them to kindly also support their children in their learning process. Even though schools are closed, it doesn't mean that learning has to stop there. And one of the things as well, this radio program is even called Querendo Aprendo, which means wanting, I learn. So kind of reinforcing that whole message of like, yes, we can learn. We should learn. We have to learn. Even if schools are closed, learning is important.
0: What a great way to engage
1: students. And you mentioned that they actually had a call-in show. What would kids call about? So, for example, one of the questions, even in that episode as well, about the family is like, why is family important? So kids would call in and say, the family is important because they take care of you or whatever else they wanted to say. So in this episode, for example, that was one of the things, but it's different. It depends on the episode, what kind of the question is and what the reflection we're having. So trying to really keep kids engaged, right?
0: Stephanie, all of these great initiatives that you've been describing, the megaphone teachers, that the worksheets, the the homeschool learning kits, and the radio dramas, they're all part of a program that you have been working with on behalf of CODE alongside the Ministry of Education and Human Development, our partner, Association Progresso, and with support from GAC, the uh, Global Affairs Canada, all within the context, context rather, of the BETTER project. Can you please tell us what BETTER stands for? It's a great
1: acronym. So BETTER stands for Education Through Teacher Training and Empowerment of Results. So BETTER. So a really great kind of acronym. It's a eight-year project, which is funded by Global Affairs Canada. And is also implemented by Code and what you were mentioning before exactly our long standing partner, Associação Progresso, and it's actually started in 2015. So it's already, it's a a total eight year project and we're already six years in. Code and Progressor have already been working a long time together. And what we're really trying to achieve is to improve the quality of education for primary students by improving the quality of teacher education at four IFPs in Cabo Delgado, Tet, Niasa, and Maputo province. So it's really Cabo Delgado is in the northern part of the country. Tet is center, Nyasa is also northern, and Maputo province in the south. So, we really cover the entire geography of Mozambique. And what Better really aims to do is so, we aim to reinforce the use of student centered methodologies, promote gender equality, which is really at the heart of what we do. One of the things that we've done a lot, so, all of our trainings include this component of gender equality. And one of the things that we've done a lot with our teacher training trainers and teachers was ask them to open textbooks. A lot of the textbooks here have still really outdated images of gender roles. So you see, for example, a picture of a police officer and the police officer is obviously a male, whereas all the domestic workers or... The woman is standing there and cleaning or cooking, taking care of the children. Obviously, women are always in which means being a nurse. So these are very typical images that you see everywhere. On a personal note, my daughter takes swimming lessons here. She is five. And the swimming teacher, he's a great guy. He always goes like, yes, go, 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 Princesa. He always calls her Princesa. Whereas the male in her swimming class, he always calls campion, which means like, you know, winner and go-getter. And I've already talked to so many times that my daughter is not a, you know, a princess. She is also a campion, also a go-getter, also, you know, somebody to achieve something. And it's meant really nicely. And I mean, I've seen that in so many schools as well. There's so many things that you nicely call girls Princess, meaning it really nice and lovely, but it just has so many implications that people don't see as well. And they are not aware of, if, at least if you're aware of those implications is one thing, but not being aware either what it stands for and and things like that. So I think also in another Core component as well of our of our project is um, strengthening school management, because one of the things that has, you know, that we have noted that, I mean, lots of studies have shown as if the teacher or the director is not there, the teachers are not there as well. And we have a very, very, very big aseptism rate here in Mozambique. I don't think we talked about that very much. I know we don't have that much time. But in fact, like 45% of teachers are never in school and they don't show up. And then an additional 11% are actually in schools, but they don't show up to class. So they are somewhere in the premises of the school, but they're not actually teaching. So kids only have like about an hour and 40 minutes of studying a day. So school management is really important as well. And what is preventing the teachers from getting to class? I think motivation. I think motivation. Unfortunately, a lot of teachers are not motivated to study. It's not. First of all, you earn very little, but there is like a lack of motivation. And it's difficult as we were talking a little bit before as well. If there is like 75 students as well, the conditions are not really helping you to actually be able to sometimes be a good teacher. Many of those didn't have real good teacher training either. So that's why Better is also working on, you know, teacher training so that you have a good basis. Right. And getting back to is back
0: to school time. We'd really
1: like to know how our listeners can
0: support the Better Schools program and, and all the great work that you're doing there. Can you give us some ideas? With
1: the biggest pleasure. So um, we've been discussing or we just talked about the long history that CODE has in working in Mozambique and many of the existing funds already committed through a lot of the activities that we were talking previously that we're already implementing. So it's been really a very challenging year and for our school, especially as well and the students and families. And we really, really need to provide additional support for those families and schools and kids. And our project schools actually have also talked to us and really requested us to please support them. They have specifically asked also for school supplies for children, especially for those children that have been particularly hit by the economic impacts of COVID as well as hygiene supplies, soaps, and masks. Actually, yesterday I was in one of the schools and a teacher was again talking about, you know, the real need to have these masks because as per Ministry of Education guidelines, every child needs to have a mask. If you don't have a mask, you're not allowed to go into class. And a lot of the more disadvantaged children don't have a, a mask to be able to use. So it's in dire need to have more masks and be able to supply them as well to schools. And of course, also a lot of things that schools have mentioned and also teacher yesterday talked about was more books and learning materials generally. So that's where the listeners come in. (laughs) Over the next few months, we're trying to raise 200,000 to provide a package of materials to support all of our schools that we work in. So it's 62 project schools. And they're, as we discussed before as well, where the project actually works in as well, Sintet, Pemba, Nyasa, and Maputo province. And each of the school kits is valued at about $3,150. And these will include hundreds of pens and notebooks, cleaning products, masks, and soaps that are really important now as well during COVID. And of course, like, all kinds of different teaching aids and a wonderful selection of 400 children books for the kids to continue to read and be able to read as well. So the campaign is actually called Supporting Better Schools. You can learn more about it and hopefully also chip a little bit of money in by visiting www.code.ngo backslash better schools. And with Every dollar that you provide, 90% are going directly to the purchase of all the supplies the schools need. And I think it will really make, or I'm not, I don't think, I'm sure it's going to make a really big difference in the lives of these school children.
0: Stephanie, I can't thank you enough for joining us today from Maputo, Mozambique, to share with us all of this great insight into CODE's work in the Better Program and into the new campaign that, uh, if you can give us the name of that one. Wonderful campaign again, supporting better schools.
1: Absolutely. That's the word.
0: Stephanie, thank you so much for sharing with us all the wonderful work that Code is doing alongside its partner, uh, Asociación Progreso, on the Better Project. If you'd like to learn more or find out how you can directly support Code's efforts in Mozambique, I invite you to visit schools.